All right, good morning to our overflow room in our main sanctuary. Glad you can be with us on our Mother's Day Sunday. I also add my appreciation to all the moms in our congregation, all that you do for families, and as moms is inspiring and really uh, so, so important um, just to the life of, of the church and as well as um, to each of your family. So we are very appreciative. So as Pastor John mentioned, uh, we're sort of in the afterglow of two weeks of our prophetic conference. We had a, a lot of teaching, a lot of great ministry, and uh, I want to take some time this morning to sort of just wrap it all up, bundle it together, and, and just give us a, a final summary point there. Um, but we also wanted to have some of the people that received ministry uh, to share their testimonies with you this morning to give you a sense of just how God was moving. Uh, over the 10-day period, we had nearly 40 people that received ministry. We had uh, 40 to 50 people in our day sessions, over 100 people in our night sessions. And our M5 and M6 training that we had just last weekend was fabulous. Uh, if you were here last Sunday, you saw some of our teams newly commissioned to minister and to prophesy, you know, and we heard so many people were encouraged by that. So, but there's nothing like a testimony to just hear how God worked in our hearts. And so I'm going to have several of our members come forward. They're actually new members. Uh, most of them are going to be people that have been here at Five Stones only a year or less. So it gives us a feel for just how God continues to touch uh, people as they come to our church. So I'm going to ask Elsie. Esperito, are you here? Why don't you come on up? Let's give a hand to Elsie. <laughs> Elsie, of course, was one that was just baptized on Easter weekend, and she is just growing like a weed, and so she's got another testimony here for us this morning. Hi, guys. Um, okay, well, actually, I didn't know what a prophetic conference was or like a prophetic word was until recently, which is really cool. And um, I only knew what a prophetic word was based on um, experiences from my friends from HAPS. And I was like, what is that? That is so mind-blowing. Like, what? <laughs> and so um, during the conference, I wasn't expecting to get a word. And um, when my name was called up for ministry, I was like, well, what do I do? Um, how do I receive all of this? I was really nervous. Um, but during the ministry time, I just I sat there and I just listened. And it was really cool to hear all of this. And it was very um, spot on, I guess this is the word. <laughs> and um, one of the words that really resonated with me or like what really was spot on was uh, um, I took, I was a very creative child. Like I was into dance, I love sketching and I love all the creative aspects of like um, culture and everything. And so, Part of my word was um, I took my creativity and passion and I set it aside and I put it in an attic because I respected my authorities and they wanted me to have a career that would produce money. And so I was like, wow, that was me when I was in nursing school. Um, I was there and I was taking care of people. I loved communicating with people, but something was missing, like a part of me was missing. And so, I decided to leave nursing behind. And it's been challenging, but receiving, after receiving the word, um, it encouraged me to keep moving with my decision that nursing wasn't something I was created to do. 
And I love the people and I love talking and communicating with others and seeing how their days were. But there was just something missing. And so um, as, I I, as I continued to go on with my decision to leave nursing, I met people that I've created awesome relationship with, uh, relationships with, like uh, people from HAPS and people that I work with. And I'm so grateful for that. And I finally renewed my relationship with God recently, which is really amazing. And it's starting to grow, I think, and I'm learning more about him. And it's, um, he's slowly showing me that he made me and wired me a certain way and that nobody can tell me what I should be doing, but I should really be listening to what God has for me and for me to really follow him. And as I journey through my life, I know he will be by my side wherever I go. So I have faith in, in him and that whatever he has for me, I'm excited for it. Amen. Yeah. You. you know, one, just, one little nuance to draw out from what Elsie shared and how the prophetic word is just so pastoral and so shepherding when she, Elsie talked about just, you know, submitting to the authority in her life and the fact that she put a word in the attic as opposed to in a drawer or in a chest or buried it. So these little things have such deep meaning to us when they come to us, and we don't fully understand maybe as we're listening, but as the words come, they just speak so deeply. So thank you so much for that, Elsie. Uh, Robin and Garrick. Hi. <laughs> I'm Robin. Uh, this is Garrick, and um, we're going to share a little bit. Um, initially, we, d we didn't uh, think we were going to attend the prophetic conference. Um, <laughs> but God had had other plans <laughs> um, God had something to say to us both um, even how the whole coming to the conference came about was clearly the Lord's timing uh, we hadn't attended the other days prior but uh, came to the church Sunday morning and uh, Jillian um, sat down beside us and asked if we were going to that evening um, right after um, we responded, no, not really. <laughs> um, she had said that we should go, and she would watch our son, Elliot. If uh, we wanted to come, we still could. Um, so we took her up on that, and uh, on the way home from church, I turned to Garrick and said to him, you know, it's not every day that someone just comes up to you and really encourages you to go to a, a prophetic conference and initially being reluctant and and not having plans to go, suddenly both of us responding, sure, we'll take you up on that. <laughs> I think that was God-led. And uh, I kind of chuckled and said, uh, what if we get a word tonight? <laughs> um, surely we did. <laughs> and not only that, but we were the first called up. <laughs> uh, so in that, uh, we felt that it was uh, really God's timing. And the, the words spoken over us um, were deeply personal and timely, but also encouraging. Um, God has his time for doing things, and it's perfect and brilliant, although in some seasons with the limited perspective and the stress of the moment, um, it may not always seem like it. Um, so we'll share some of the things spoken that really stood out for us. Um, 
There are certain words, certain attributes of an individual and couple that really popped out um, throughout the words spoken over us both. God has definitely put on my heart some of these key words and having them spoken over us affirmed that. And that was one of the just, wow, God, you really are personal moments. Uh, words like dependable, effective, a growing influence on others, spirit-led, leader of leaders. Let's put some of that into context. So one of the things said was, God has put into you your methodology, your strategy is to be quiet, but really is to be effective. I just got a picture of a well they used to dig in days of old. And it was the village well, and people would just come and depend on that well. And they would get their substance from that well. And you're going to be like that. There's going to be a growing influence. God is going to bring people to that well of who you are as a couple, as the person's family. We thought that was special. <laughs> Another thing that spoke to me in particular was in my interactions with others and how to engage with other people. Um, this is a very timely thing that was spoken because I am currently in a season where I just I want to be nurturing and love people, but stuck on how to do that right and effective part. An ongoing frustration for as long as I know, but what was said was very encouraging. Um, this is what was said. You love it when other people come to you and are in crisis and are going to help me. <laughs> you know you're just good at it. But with your confidence in the Holy Spirit, you will be able to really know what their heart needs, and you will be able to speak the truth really clear, not blunt, but in a way that will help them change how they do things. How there's some people that say, it hurts every time you go like this. And you want to say, stop doing this. But you don't want to hurt them, and you don't want to condemn them. You're so accepting but you're going to find more and more that God is going to give you wisdom and anointing. Just stop doing this and do it a different way, waving. Being able to speak to people in truth and in love and being able to discern what should be said at any given moment with the people I engage with and also knowing that what I say is actually from God because sometimes I'm not so sure. And this also touches on the dependable aspect. I really identified, identified with these words that were spoken. Uh, some of you may know I have uh, diverse skills and life experience. Life experiences from previous occupations and post-secondary education. Uh, but at the end of the day, I have come to realize that in my word, it was exactly how I feel when it comes to life. I just want to work Monday to Friday, come home every night, be home for dinner, not be a tired dad, overworked dad, a husband that doesn't see his wife. Uh, this, was a, this is what was spoken to me. I am reminded of William Wallace in Braveheart. William Wallace, incredibly educated young man. I mean, just a man of the world. And his goal was just to be a, a good guy to help people and raise a family. That's what he wanted to do. And then circumstances happened, and he was raised up to a place, not just of leadership, but a place of influence. Brother, you are so faithful. You are so... Brother, you are so faithful, you are the sort of person that will lose sleep until you get it right. You, when it comes to dealing with other people, you hate to lose, you hate loose ends, and you hate, that was a double typo, okay. <laughs> you will figure out ways just to make it right, make things right, so the team will work. 
There's an excellence in you. Whether you like it or not, God, God has a promise. When you're faithful with the little things, he promotes you and gives you authority or more influence over more. You just keep going, doink, 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 doink. Because you're personally every, because your personality, every time you're going to be raised up, you'll figure out how to make it work with other people. And that's my safe place, uh, which is a true mark of a real leader. I dare say there is going to be a time when you'll be studying leadership, like really, really study it, not just academically, uh, in the way just it works that doesn't, and what doesn't work. Not only going to communicate, but it will really teach that and impact that on the others you're going to be a leader of leaders, not only of church circles, but outside of church circles. Uh, another thing that I can kind of relate to, leader of leaders, I tend to have a balanced perspective. I see things from both ends of the argument. Uh, I have vision and foresight and how things could be. I found that leaders of leaders, the statement uplifting. Uh, I do get particularly annoyed with the lack of respect for elders and leaders throughout our local, provincial, and federal levels. Our Lord has put them there to represent us. And I do wish that governments could work together better and demonstrate bipartisan governing and not just media rhetoric. If our leaders appear weak in your eyes, then build them up, strengthen them. Just because you didn't vote for them, they still represent you. Uh, if an individual is a farmer or a business owner, who are they more likely to vote for? If uh, an individual is a single parent with three kids and one of them requires additional and additional social and physical support, who are they more likely to vote for? <clears throat> with that being said, I feel like I don't get clogged up with all the opinions. I see things with clarity and offer balance and peaceful perspectives rather than making a mountain out of a molehill within my circles. For the both of us, there was... a um, something that really spoke to us on another level, and that was our dream of what our family might look like. And doing family right, doing marriage right, and doing it all God's way. That word was being on, and what was said at the very end of that touched our hearts in a way that made us both almost cry. It was deep and had an impact, and this was what was said about our family. There's a kind of dream of what your family can be, and it's not necessarily a reaction to your own families, but I think both of you decided, we'll learn from this, and we'll learn from this. We're not doing that, and that is definitely not happening. And our models were not perfect, and we are not going to be beholden to our old models. We're going to do a reset do-over. And because you're really learning this husband and wife thing in God's ways and doing family God's ways, and I really think you're going to have a tribe, the tribe of par Parsons. Your home will be like a, be a place where the community kids want to go because they don't know what home is like until they get to yours. Even your home is going to have this kingdom impact in the community. That's it in a nutshell. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Um, Keiho um, Aito, she's here from Japan. Hi, uh, my name is Kaho. Um, Excuse me that I'll be reading off of my notes, but I have, um, I'd like to briefly share two experiences from the conference. One was that I've received a prophetic prayer through a question I asked to Pastor Ben, um, which was uh, spot on answers to what I had long been struggling in myself. 
thinking I might not be um, a good daughter to God enough. Um, the words I received had healed my soul, uh, covering up my insecurities and reassured how I was seen um, in God's eyes. And uh, since then, I've been able to face my daily emotions as advised through the prophecy by asking why and where these um, little struggling tensions day-to-day -day I have come from, and now see a lot of hope to what I can change and free myself um, toward the plan um, God has for me. And um, the second experience was actually uh, more powerful to me than the individual prophecy that I received, but um, which was how blessed and Holy Spirit-filled I felt listening to others being prophesied. Um, being new to church, it's funny because I didn't know many of their backgrounds or personalities, but um, all the words were so convincing as I could see all of them in the exact pictures and visions that had been spoken to them. I was constantly burning inside, feeling the deep love and compassion of God, not to mention being um, just in awe of the amazing plans he has for each and every one of us. Um, which, again, kept me weeping throughout the conference, yet giving me so much joy and encouragement, um, especially because um, we were receiving this as a church family, which I think this atmosphere, um, I really wanted to thank the staff, um, was very powerful. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it didn't feel like it was somebody else just being prophesied, some random people. It just felt like, a sis of course, a sister or brother having so great plans ahead, um, and it just made me happy. So um, I can say I'm just too excited to see all those plans uh, be the next big su uh, successful news around the world, which to me sounded like there were at least two future four, 500 companies <laughs> that, can, that could start from one of the um, sisters or brothers here. And uh, lastly, I was just reminded by um, seeing Garrett and uh, Robert just now that um, I was very encouraged uh, as still being a single of how powerful the prophecies over the couples were because um, it was just so beautiful how a couple put together through God with their individual plans made such a big impact as a together plan. So for me, that was, again, encouraging to look forward to something that God um, also has a partner somewhere that I would meet along the way. So thank you. Thank you, Kaho. And I, I love the picture sort of of this waterfall just there's obviously the words that are spoken, but there's an atmosphere that we take in and that we enjoy, and Kaho really brought that out, and, and that's something that's so intangible, but that's so real and so much um, part of the kingdom of God. So we have one last testimony. Um, Jojo and Grace, you could come on up. They're also pretty new to our church, two beautiful daughters as well. All right. <laughs> My name is Grace, and this is Jojo, and we have been in this church for more than a year. And uh, I would like to say good morning to everyone. First of all, I want to give glory to our Lord Jesus, for he has given me the courage to stand. <laughs> I'm not very good in speaking in front of so many people. 
But to start with, I want to say that my walk with the Lord is very colorful. Um, I will not go into details of my journey with the Lord as it will take a whole service, and I don't want to take that time from Pastor Rich. Um, I will speak about what Ben Goodman and Greg Miller have prophesied for us as a couple. Um, Everything that was said about us was spot on. It was true. We're both stubborn, very strong, and uh, a lot of times we will argue, but at the end of the day, we're still, like, you know, a good couple. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then uh, what um, the one that really struck me, the one thing that really hit me is when they say I am in, um, I have a backpack of grief since I was a little girl. Well, um, this is a really um, a very sensitive issue, but I have a long-standing issue with my father. Um, even if I keep saying to myself that I forgive him, I still have, and up to this day, I still get very upset when I think about it. But when the night, that night when the prophets told me that it's time to unload that backpack of grief, I was relieved because I know God has lifted it off my back and, it's, and he says it's time for me to rejoice. I felt the reassuring love of God that night. Just the way Moses had, I will quote it in Exodus 14, 13 and 14. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, uh, you will never see again. Uh, Well, I think it's sad to say that I'm away from my father. I don't see him anymore. And the Lord will fight for me. The Lord will fight for you. You you don't need to be afraid. You just have to be still. And there is one more. Psalms 56.3. I have this. As soon as I, like, after the day I was, uh, I had that night with the conference, I've read this um, word from Psalms, from, uh, and it says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, and I'm not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? I know the Lord is with us. Good morning, church. Uh, this morning, I pray to the Lord that, Lord, don't make me cry this morning when I say this. Because uh, I want to cry on that time when Ben Goodman say these prophetic words to me. I said, oh, I want to cry, but not in front of the people, Lord, please. <laughs> I want to share a testimony that is related to what has been said to me. But myself, Ben said, you are a good son, over and over. And it brought my attention that for a long time, <coughs> starting now, this is what friends and neighbors and my wife would say about me. Well, in fact, I knew to myself, I'm not a good son. In the early years of my life, I started drinking at the age of seven, I was 16. 
aside, aside from drinking, I smoke, I gamble, and there's also an occasional use of drugs. At 26 years old, I become an alcoholic, a chain smoker. And I can also see it in my junk table. You know the junk table, right? I can see it in my junk table for 24 hours, from 6 a.m. till the next morning. And then one Christmas, I still remember, I started drinking with friends at 3 a.m. And I passed out 12 noon, woke out around 4 p.m., and continued drinking till midnight. That was my life, drinking almost every day. I knew that my mom's heart is breaking because uh, she begs of me to stop my habit. <laughs> now I'm crying. She wants me to stop my habit, but to no avail. I will not listen to her. Now tell me, <laughs> am I a good son? I don't think so. In 1999, she passed away and never had a chance to say, I'm sorry. In the year 2000, I joined my wife here in Canada. A year after, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. After two years in my walk with Jesus, He delivered me from demonic spirit of alcoholism, smoking and gambling. Sad to say that my mother is not around anymore to witness how Jesus transformed my life. I was in torment for long, long years, embracing that lies that I am not a good son. Ben Goodman doesn't know my struggles within, not even my wife. There is only one who does, it is God. And he will never tell a lie to me. I told Ben, you know, I am really feeling good, man. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm standing here in front of you, church, as the Spirit of God testifies, and I believe and declare I am really indeed a good son. Jesus Christ sets me free. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Jojo and Grace, for sharing your heart and giving us insight to just how powerful and how encouraging and how touching, you know, God's Word is to us. He really is a, a personal God. And I think that this is one of the key things that God wants to reveal to our city, to the church, is how real and personal He is. He's not a God on stained glass windows. He's not impersonal. He's not far away. But he's right here. He knows everything about us. So having, of course, taken into consideration all these uh, testimonies, I'm not going to be sharing uh, as long this morning. But I wanted to sort of use this message as a way to just wrap all that the Lord has done uh, in our midst. In Ephesians chapter 2.20, I want to point out to some, uh, something to us in that prophetic ministry comes not just to bless us. Of course, that's part of the outcome when we hear the teaching, when we receive the ministry, when God speaks supernaturally to us. But prophetic ministry comes to build us. And the word build has a sense of permanence. It has a sense of something that's lasting. 
Blessing is more sort of just temporary, like eating you know, popcorn or having a great meal. You enjoy it and then it's gone. But that which God does through the prophetic ministry is meant to really build into our lives. And we see this in Ephesians chapter 2, where Paul says that you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you. So when God thinks about building the church, he doesn't think about the building. He doesn't think about programs. He thinks about you and me, because fundamentally the church is the body of Christ. And so to, in order to come and to strengthen the church, Paul says that you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built, not just blessed, but built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So I, I just want to ask this one question this morning. Well, how does the prophetic build our lives? And the answer is going to come to us from the book of Genesis where I want to just go through seven key points, seven foundational pur purposes of prophetic ministry. Um, but let's just have a moment of prayer here, just gather ourselves, and then we'll go into the Word. So, Father, we thank you this morning for all that you've already done. Thank you for the things that you've done in the lives of our people over these last two weeks. We are deeply grateful. We ask, Holy Spirit, you watch over this seed, that you cause it to be planted deeply, to bear fruit, to touch others, to impact, Father God, our city for the glory of Jesus. We give thanks to you now for your word. In your name we pray, amen. So in Genesis chapter 1, the very first verses of the very first book in the Bible, the scripture says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving or hovering over the surfaces of the water. Then part A of verse 3, then God said. So the first prophetic event in history is creation. When scripture records God said, which is the first time that God spoke. Prophetic ministry is uniquely founded upon the voice of God. Hearing it, experiencing its authority, acting upon it, and then sharing it with others. There is nothing like God's voice, like God's mind, and God's purposes for our lives. It brings life and strength and encouragement. And so in the soaring telling of creation in Genesis 1, not only do we see how God built up the world, but we also are given a prophetic picture of how God builds us up. So in keeping with the seven days, let's talk about seven ways in which the Lord does this. Number one, the prophetic ministry builds us up by the fact that it's called to give us light. Verse 3 and 4, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness. This is the first purpose of prophetic ministry, is to give us light. We live in darkness. We live in confusion. We don't know what to do. We don't know who we are. We need God's revelation and direction. Part of prophetic ministry, we tend to think of future things, but part of prophetic ministry is to just set us into a place of healing. When God speaks, our mind is opened. Oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Like we heard from Elsie. She thought she was supposed to go into nursing, but then the Spirit of God came. No, there's creativity in you. All of a sudden, she's released. This is what I'm supposed to do. The Word of the Lord comes to help us understand what God thinks about me. So God spoke to Jojo and said, you are a good son. Whereas all these years, he's been wrapped with these lies that he's not a good son, but God comes to break the yoke and allows us to see something that we didn't see before. Oh, that's how I'm supposed to look at that situation. That's how I'm supposed to understand my past. So we heard from grace. I've got a backpack of grief. How do I handle this? 
And God comes and literally in a matter of minutes, he undoes all this stuff that's been hanging on us or encumbering us even for years and decades. That's the power of God's word. Every time God speaks, God's authority is in it and it creates something. It does something. There's never a loose word from God's lips. He is never careless with his words. When he speaks, it happens. It's been said that when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, he had to call out Lazarus' name because if he just said, come forth, everyone in the grave would have come out. It just tells you the power of God. He's specific. He's intentional. He's purposeful. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he does that by lying. Did you know the Bible says that the devil is the father of lies? He just pumps out lies all the time. Everything that comes forth from his mouth is lying. But when God speaks, he explodes those lies. His truth comes to pierce our darkness. We're no longer formless and void. In the Hebrew, as God was hovering over just the emptiness, it was a wasteland. And sometimes we feel like we're just a wasteland. We're just discombobulated. We don't know what it is that we should do. But God comes, speaks the truth, and sets us free. We're called to live in that light. Verse 5, there was morning and evening the first day. Second aspect of a prophetic ministry is that it's called to declare the bigness of God. Verses 6 and 8, let there be an expanse, God is speaking now, in the midst of the waters and let it separate from the waters, the waters from the waters. And God called the expanse heaven. Or if you read from the NIV, that word there, heaven, is sky. One of our greatest needs is to see the bigness of God. It's so easy for us to be overwhelmed by life, to be so absorbed we feel like God is not there. But as big as the sky is, so is God. The vault of heaven is over our lives. And this speaks to the great doctrines of God, his sovereignty, his omniscience, his omnipotence, how he works all things together for good for those who love him. Isn't it amazing that God can redeem? He can take the worst things in our life and redeem them. He can take the worst chapters and turn it into something sweet. He can redeem the most bitter things that we've ever experienced and make it something in which we're walking in forgiveness. He works all things together for those who love him. Nothing can thwart God's purposes. He is king and Lord of all, including your life. I think sometimes we need a little tap on the shoulder from the Holy Spirit. Remember, God is a God over your life. This is what prophetic ministry does. Reminds us that God has his hand on our lives and everything that goes on. Even Garrick was talking about the, the political realm and how we can get so upset by that. It's because we're not seeing the bigness of God. That God has appointed authorities over us whether we like them or not. I may not personally like Pierre Trudeau, but he is my prime minister. I may not like President Trump. I'm a dual citizen, but he is my president. I need to respect him. I mean, I may loathe him and despise him, but I need to respect him because the scripture says God has put them over us. So we see the bigness of God. We see how he's working. The same God of creation that created the purple petals on a violet flower is the same God that is watching over every detail of your life. He knows the number of hairs on your head when the sparrow falls to the ground. He cares that much. The bigness of God brings us comfort and faith and strength in the midst of our trials when there's wind and rain and earthquakes in our lives. 
Nothing can move us off, the love, off of the love of God. There was evening and there was morning, a second day. We're to live and rest in the bigness of God. Point number three, prophetic ministry is designed to place you on solid ground. Let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and gathering, the gathering of the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seeds and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit after their own kind with seed in them, and it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind, and God saw that it was good. God wants us to be sure-footed. He wants to place us on solid ground. Our thought life is extremely important to him. We can think right things or we can think wrong things. What we do in life is based on our thoughts, our assumptions, our perspective, our values, our worldview. God's word is like a garden. It's filled with vegetation and plants and trees. It's a world of exploration and delight and systems and creativity and variety. And this is what God's word is meant to do, is to bring forth fruit and trees and vegetation and blooming in your life. It's meant to put us in a place where we will grow and flourish. Prophetic ministry is designed to come alongside God's word and to fertilize you, to give you confidence to make sure that your steps are ordered by the Lord and that there's a lamp for your feet and a light for your paths. God wants us to have that confidence. He wants us to be assured. He wants us to be on solid ground. So again, as we heard the, the different testimonies, even Kaho just listening to the words over the different members and just being so touched and inspired and encouraging each one, speaking to even couples that their families are going to be strong. That gives you confidence about the future. That gives you a sense, yes, this is what God has ordained for me and I can have faith for that. As bad and as dark as our days may become, it matters not, but God is going to cause our family to be a lighthouse. So the prophetic word comes and places us on solid ground. Day four, prophetic ministry is called to bring guidance and direction. Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights. The great, greater light to govern the day, which is the sun, and the lesser light to govern the night, which is the moon. He also made the stars. God is to be our north star. Before there was GPS, sailors would navigate the seas by the stars in the sky. It's what gave them their bearings and placement. And so prophetic ministry is used by the Lord to point people in the right direction, to set their compasses, to get back on track, or to confirm that their course is correct. Navigating life, understanding the seasons of our life is not always easy. How do I interpret what I'm in? Again, one of the things about the prophetic word is it may speak to one season right now or it may speak to a future season and we go, well, how can that be? How can I be in this season and I can't envision what that future season will look like? 
I received my first prophetic word when I was 25 years old. I was in science, I was doing research, and God said that I would start churches. I was not even in the ministry. How in the world would I get to that place? Yet God knows the beginning from the end. He's the one that has called us forth and gives us purposes. And so he helps us to interpret. He gives us a north star in the sky. Say, okay, I'm pointed that direction. I'm not sure I'm going to get there, but faithfully he who calls you and he will do it. And sure enough, here I am 25 years later, still walking in that prophetic word because God said it. It's so powerful. The wise men were guided to baby Jesus by a star in the sky. And prophetic words are like stars in the sky for us. And this is not to say that prophecy is astrology. Far from it. Astrology is the worship of stars. Prophecy is the worship of the creator of those stars. We don't worship the created, we worship the creator. But the point here is that this passage gives us this metaphor of God's guidance. He is our great shepherd. We are his sheep, and the sheep hear his voice. When we pray and look up to him, we can expect that he will lead us to good pastures and point us to our destiny. Note in verse 16 that I just read here that there was two great lights, the greater light that lit the day and the lesser light that lit the evenings. This signals to us that everyone can access God's guidance at all times. Don't say, oh, that person is prophetic, or that person is really intuitive, or that person is really sensitive to the Holy Spirit, so they know what God wants them to do. No, God's guidance is for everyone to see. Whether you're living in the jungles of the Amazon, or you're walking on the sidewalks of New York City, it's there for everyone. God never leaves us in the dark. Verse 19, there was evening, there was morning, a fourth day. So we're to live and rest in knowing God's voice of counsel and that his direction is always with us. Number five, prophetic ministry is called to give you a sense of home and belonging. God said, let the waters team with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarmed after their kind, and every winged bird after its kind, and God saw that it was good. When God created the seas and the skies and the land, it was to provide a home for all the creatures, large and small, to have a place of belonging. You know, the spirit of rejection is so strong in our culture. We have walked through life, we get battered by things, people say things to us, and we receive something in our spirit. We get hurt, we feel rejection, we feel we're not good enough. This is one of the biggest things that God needs to heal in our culture, and God is calling the church to be that vessel of healing. And the prophetic word comes and to just put a balm on our soul so that spirit of rejection is lifted from us that it's just bleached from our system. God comes to preach home. He comes to preach belonging to us. You belong in God's family. You belong in the kingdom. Unfortunately, the church has been a place where too much rejection has gone on because of a religious spirit. You don't measure up to God. You're this, you're that. You don't look right. You don't smell right. You don't act right. That's all wrong. That's not the gospel. 
The gospel is that God loves us unconditionally, and we need to show that love one to another over and over again. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. You know where I get my inspiration when I'm crabby and I'm upset with people? I just think about God's love for me. I can never escape. I don't have an excuse before God because of how he loves me. And so I have to turn around and I have to love people as well. I didn't ask to be a pastor. I didn't ask to be up front. I'm bashful. I'm shy. I don't want to be in front of all of you talking like this. I'd rather be sitting down in the front. You know why I have notes every time I preach? Because I don't know what to say. I don't have the gift of gab. I can't just get up and start talking. Some people can just get up and just talk and entertain. I could not entertain you for 10 seconds. And so, God, did you really pick the right person? I have notes because I, I need a crutch. This is my crutch right here. I forgot what I was even moving towards. <laughs> when God calls us, <clears throat> he gives us this belonging You belong in the kingdom. You're a son and daughter of the king. You have provision at the king's table. Part of preaching, prophetic preaching, is to recognize that we're all created by God to be different. We're different species. We're different birds. We're artists and engineers and singers and motivators. Some are plotters and some are racers. Some are loud and some are quiet. Some are introverted and some are extroverted. God loves variety. He celebrates variety. Prophetic ministry comes to recognize and value you for your uniqueness, to call you out, to define you, shape you, refine you, grow you. This is how kingdom culture flourishes. You are unique. Unique. (laughs) Just making sure you're listening. We're all part of the same household. Verse 23. Scripture says there was evening and morning, a fifth day. We are to live and rest in the blessing of family and belonging. Day six, prophetic ministry is called to help you understand kingdom living and identity. Then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things, and beasts of the earth after their kind, and it was so. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God saw that all that he had made and behold, it was very good. Kingdom character is of utmost importance to God. When God made the cattle and the creeping things, as stated in verse 24, this was not only to showcase his creativity, attention to detail and mastery of ecosystems, it also carried spiritual significance. Cattle or oxen is a symbol of service. The little creatures in the dirt speaks of humility. Prophetic ministry calls us to kingdom lifestyle and character. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. We are to represent the king. We are distinguished by the world, by how we live and what we value. We're called to a life of service and sacrifice. 
sacrifice. That's not a very popular word these days. To give up your own dreams and ambitions for the purposes of God. One of the main sacrifices used in the temple in the Old Testament was the bull or the oxen. So we are called to be living sacrifices to place our lives on the altar of God. We are not of this world given to self-absorption and self-centeredness and self-worship. We worship God and how we express that to the world is through a completely surrendered life. Prophetic ministry calls us to consecration and intimacy with God. And humility is a first priority in the kingdom. What was the first beatitude that Jesus gave us at the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. We're to live in the dirt. Not in the sense of humiliation, but a voluntary, love-inspired submission to God. And prophets and prophetic teaching will call us to do that. We're called to serve and to be surrendered in all our ways. Another thing that this scripture points out, there are many other things, I don't have time to go through them, but again, for the sake of brevity, I'm going to jump down to verse 27, where the scripture says that we are created in God's image. We're called to bear God's image. This is the realm of worship. Prophetic ministry will regularly call us to put down our idols, to forsake them, and to grind them to dust if necessary. This is about lordship. This is about sonship. This is about friendship, walks in the garden with God. It's about intimacy, about acceptance and healing. There is no orphan spirit in the kingdom. We come into the kingdom with an orphan spirit. We feel like we don't belong. We feel like we don't have a father that really loves us. But God brings us into the kingdom. No more orphan spirit. You are bought with the blood of Jesus Christ and you belong to God. Nothing can take you out of the palm of God's hand. You are secure in him. But that truth has to sink into our spirit over and over and over until it becomes natural. Until we're really freed from that. But it begins with the fact that you were created by God in his image. That is his permanent design over your life. And having that permanent design is what gives us psychological health and grounding. We know who we are. We're not in wonderment. We're not changing. We're not trying to figure it out. God has given us that permanent definition. So prophetic ministry comes to heal and adjust and cement our identity and acceptance in God. Verse 31, he made all those different things, but it said regarding man, it was very good. It's very good. And so we're to live and rest in that kingdom identity. Final point. <clears throat> Prophetic ministry builds us up by calling us to rest and completion. Chapter 2 Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all the hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. We need rest. We're not machines. We're not created to run 24-7. We have to have pace and margin, space to breathe. Now, some of us have a different set point. We have a different pace and margin, but we all need rest and refreshment. 
And the sense of the Sabbath that's contained in this verse is, is also a sense of satisfaction and contentment. And God's prophets call us to stand back and survey and see what God has done to be deeply satisfied and content at God's work in your life, for the progress, for moving forward, to feel God's sense of appreciation and applause. That brings restoration and rejuvenation for a job well done. Greg and I have a, a joke around Bend. You know, we travel and we've done a lot of ministry together, and we call Bend the vacation prophet. And if you got a word about taking a rest or coming aside or having a vacation, it probably came from Ben. He just always seems to hear that from the Lord over people. He's got a special anointing for that. That's a, a day seven prophet. Go and rest. <laughs> but on a larger plane, this principle of rest is not just the call to take a break from our physical work. It's also about the divine rest that we have in Jesus. There is no more spiritual toil. You know, there's a divine angst that we have on the inside when we don't know Jesus. We're trying to, there's a gnawing. We're trying to figure out what it is that will satisfy me in life. What is it that will bring happiness to me? What is it that will bring peace to me? But day seven declares that you have rest in Jesus. We don't have to work our way to God. We don't earn our way to heaven. We're not saved by our good deeds. Did you know every other religion in the world is predicated on good deeds. Be good enough, tip the balance of karma in your favor, make sure you do the right things, and then the gods will decide your fate. Christianity completely flips that equation upside down. We are saved by Jesus Christ. He is our rest. God calls us to that place of divine rest, to lay down our implements of work, the saw in our hand, the calculator on our desk, the plow in the field, the sweat of our brow, the exertion of our soul. We have rest in Jesus. We find rest in the finished work of the cross. We will never add to God's love for us. His love is not based on our works. Did you know that God's mood about you doesn't change? He doesn't say, oh man, I, I don't really like you today. I don't love you as much today. He never changes. His love never changes. Now, what we do is we project onto God our own feelings. I feel crappy today, so God must feel crappy about me. I feel kind of sad, so God must feel sad about me. God's world spins independently of our feelings. And so we need to realize he's the reference point, and we need to be aligned with how he sees us. That's what creates transformation, that unconditional love. It's pretty mind-blowing. But such is the glory of prophetic ministries to point you to the love of God, the rest of God, and the satisfaction that we have in his son, Jesus. There's nothing like it. These seven days represent the arena of the prophet in his ministry. Over the last two weeks, have you heard teaching as you received ministry, as you saw what God was doing in other people's lives? This gives us a picture and a wrap of what prophetic ministry is pointed towards, to bring you light, to declare God's vastness, to give you solid ground to stand on, provide insight into God's will, proclaim that you belong and have a home, trumpet your identity and call you to worship and to preach rest and satisfaction. Final way to summarize <clears throat> prophetic ministry is that it majors on the goodness of God. All these things that I talked about, they are some expression of the goodness of God. 
when he calls you to rest, when he calls you to acceptance, when he calls you to confidence, when he calls you to identity, when he calls you home, when he gives you light, when he breaks the darkness, when he sets you free, those are all about the goodness of God. Vancouver, receive the goodness of God. New Westminster, receive the goodness of God. Church of Jesus Christ, walk in the goodness of God. That's the good news. That's what we get to do when we talk about prophetic ministry. It's not weirdness, it's goodness. I left a little space here because I wanted Pastor John to come up, share a final testimony, because he has an amazing story of God's goodness. So, John, would you come up? You guys are all thinking you're in trouble because uh, John speaks for a long time. <laughs> One of the things that, uh, that we talk about, it, it is the goodness of God. Prophetic ministry is about the goodness of God. And when we go through and we bring all of these things as, as leaders into the church, the prophetic ministry, the messengers class, and when we talk about the messengers class, for those that have taken it, we have fresh, brand new graduates of messengers uh, messengers is about speaking the heart of God to people. Prophetic ministry, for those that don't know, is not just about prophets that come and declare the word of God and speak into your lives, but prophetic ministry is for each and every single one of you to do. From 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about how God gives us spiritual gifts to do things. Why? So that the church can do things and edify God in a way that nobody else can. It's through God's power that we could actually do things. And so my testimony actually revolves around the messengers class. And in M6, which is the last class, the first session, Greg talked about healing. Because part of prophetic ministry also comes that God wants to bring healing um, to your bodies. And so... Uh, Greg's like, okay, we're going to, one of the things that we do in Messengers, we get to practice all these things. We got to try to perfectly speak over each other's lives and, and all these good things. And so it came to healing, and I was in a group with Anita, with Jess, and with SP. And we're sitting there, and Anita pipes. I was just like, I have healing. And so I was just like, you know what? I'll just let Anita go. And we prayed over Anita, but we sat there, and we had a lot of time. So I'm just like, you know what? I, there's, a, there's a part of my life where... Um, I need healing, but I don't quite have the faith for it. And so that part of my life is it's to do with my allergies. Um, my entire life I've been allergic to, to, to fish. So the fish that swim in the sea, not anything else. But just I cannot eat fish. And many of our members here have, have seen me have little accidents along the way where I've eating fish, I, I break out. I mean, there's one time I cooked, I cooked fish for my wife. I didn't eat it. I just cooked it. So I touched it, and my entire arms broke out in hives, and I got Hingsy to come over earlier because she was part of the dinner. I'm just like, you need to, like, do something about my arms because my wife will kill me if, uh, if she knows that I did this for her. And so Fish allergy has been with me for 35 years of my life. You're like, oh, are you over 35? Yes, I'm 37. So since I was two, <laughs> since I was two, I've had this fish allergy. And it's anaphylactic, meaning that it could kill me. Uh, that my airway closes and uh, I stop breathing. And so I was just like, you know what, God? Many people have asked me, John, why don't you ask for healing in this area? And I was just like, I've just lived with it for so long. 
And that's the funny thing is that we live with things for so long that it just becomes a part of us and that we don't actually think that we need healing from it because of the fact that we just think this is just part of my life. And then the other thing was this lactose intolerance that I have. I'm Asian, so it's pretty common, right? All Asians are lactose intolerant. Most Asians are lactose intolerant. And mine's actually developed when I was in my late 20s, and I, I, I stopped, and I love milk products. Love it. Like, I will sacrifice my body to have milk products. I will sacrifice my body to, to have ice cream and, and to drink milk. And as long as I'm close to a washroom, I'm good. So I stepped up in faith, and I, I, I think part of it was the atmosphere that we were learning. And I said, you know what? I'm going to ask these three to pray for me, to pray for my, my allergies. And this has been a contention of faith for me. But I knew that if someone has faith, that healing comes, right? We, we see that throughout the Bible, whether it's the friends that have faith that lower their, their friend down in front of Jesus to get healed. Whether Jesus has faith to heal someone and bring someone from the dead to life. Whether a lady just touches the, the, just the garment of Jesus because she had faith, she was healed. I knew that as long as someone has faith, that Jesus heals. And so I'm just like, you know what, I'm going to step up in faith. I'm going to ask for prayer. And this is something that even asking for prayer was hard for me because I'm just, it's just part of my life. So I asked. And they laid hands, very simple prayer, just in Jesus' name, heal. So I went home that night. I told my wife. And I tried to drink a glass of milk because I'm like, you know what? I'm home. I'm close to a toilet. It's, it's good. Nothing happened. Next day, I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to have some cereal with milk. This is one of my favorite things to do. Ne haven't had it for years now. Had a bowl of cereal with milk, expecting that I'm going to have some kind of pain and discomfort. Nothing happened. And then my wife and I go to Seattle for on Monday just to get away from the city. We it was a busy two weeks. Just go to Seattle. Normally, when I go out of town, I never order milk products. Um, ordered a latte, got a lot of, ate cheese, had all of the good things. Oh, milk is such a good thing. <laughs> Nothing, no problems. So that night we went home and my wife was just like, you want to test fish out? I was like, okay, let's, let's, she's like, we have tuna. Okay, we don't have much fish product at home because I'm allergic, but my wife has tuna just for herself. Sometimes she makes a, her own, herself some tuna sandwiches. I was like, okay. My faith wasn't there. And so she cranks open a can of tuna and she puts it in front of me and she's just like, try some. I haven't even eaten, I'm sweating. <laughs> Bullets are coming, I'm sweating so hard. I was so scared. My heart was beating out of my chest because I know that I, I've had so many experiences of almost near-death experiences of eating fish that I was so terrified, terrified. So I was like, just take a piece, put it on your lip. Usually if you just touch it, like hives break out, you start swelling, 
you'll know that you're allergic. So she took his piece, put it on my lip, put it down. She's like, anything? I'm like, no, not yet. <laughs> she's like, okay, he let five minutes pass. Five minutes pass, she's like, you want to try a piece? I'm terrified in my spirit. My faith is not there, but my wife, she has faith because she's like, I already seen this happen with milk, so I have faith that this is cured, that God has healed you. I was just like, I don't know about this. <laughs> so I took a piece, ate it. Nothing. Nothing happened. So she's like, try another piece. <laughs> I was just like, I like adrenaline's rushing. I don't even know, maybe this is just adrenaline that's actually keeping the allergy away. It's not even, because if you know what an EpiPen does, it's just adrenaline shots, right? So it's just like adrenaline is keeping the allergy at bay. It's not actually anything. And so I took another piece, nothing. I was like, okay, that's enough. That's enough testing. I don't want to do this anymore. Next day, my wife goes and buys a salmon and makes it for dinner. <laughs> That's how much faith my wife has that I don't have. And sometimes you need those people to come alongside you and say, you know what, God has done an incredible healing, and my wife is that person for me. Where she's like, God has done something great. And it's not just about testing God's goodness, but it's believing and having faith in that God is good. And so she made me a whole salmon dinner, and I sat there again, sweating, and just my heart beating. But I look at this gorgeous piece of salmon, I've never tasted salmon in my life. And I had my first meal, a whole filet of fish with no reaction. I'm not, I'm not going to go testing, I'm not, I'm, I mean... So I posted on Instagram. <laughs> and I believe that the reason why I did it is because it's not about God healing me of being able to eat fish. That's a blessing that God has done. That's my blessing that I've received. But at the end of the day, it's about giving him glory. It's about giving God glory for what he has done. It's about testifying and witnessing of his goodness poured out into my life. You know what that Instagram story did? It opened so many conversations to a lot of non-Christian friends. Friends that have known me since I was little. Friends that have seen me go into emergency because I had an accident in elementary school where instead of a chicken strip, I ate a fish stick and I went to the emergency room. This was when I was around eight years old, and I had friends that have witnessed that, that messaged me that these people do not know who God is. They said, what happened? It opened so many conversations. My Instagram blew up. It's, I've never had this many conversations before with non-Christian friends that knew my past, that knew my situation, knew my circumstance, and just said, God, did this for you. I believe that God blessed me with the healing, but he did this for him so that people get to know who he is and how great he is and the goodness that he has to pour, pour into our lives. That's what it's all about. It's all about bringing God glory. It's about bringing him and testifying of his love.
and his power. And we get to be the recipients of that, of his blessings pouring into our lives. And so that, that is a testimony of God's goodness. And I believe that as, as we as a church get to experience these things, it's to break a religious spirit that's in the church today. There's a lot of us that really struggle about miracles and healing and all of these things because in some ways we don't believe these things happen in our church today. But the reality is when Jesus came, he had to break the religious spirit that was within the Jewish culture. So how did Jesus do it? He did it by speaking into people's lives. He did it through miracles. And I believe that God is moving through miracles because he has to break a religious spirit in our church today. And that prophetic words are God speaking directly into our lives. Like healing is God doing things in our lives to give him glory so that we could see what his goodness is about. To break off the chains that, that, that bound us, that the pharisaical chains that, that we live by these laws and rules, but we don't live in the power of Jesus Christ. And church, we need to live in that power. So I really believe this is how the church is to move. This is the way that the church is to move. And I believe that every single one that received prophecy, that if you hear there's a common theme, that theme is to give God glory. That theme is that God moves in us and that you could impact lives through the things that he does through you. Let's stand together, have a closing uh, prayer here. Uh, we won't have the worship team come up. I know we're a little bit longer today, and there's Mother Day gatherings to be had. Father, we give you praise and honor and glory. We thank you that you are the chief prophet. You are the prophet of prophets. You're the one that pours out goodness. You're the one that just declares, Father God, that you are such a loving and caring God. We thank you for the testimonies that we've heard this morning. And Father, each one of us has a testimony that you want to give to us. I pray, God, that the spirit of encouragement would be upon us. Lord, that we would walk out of our service today a little bit more free. We ask, Father, your favor continue to abide upon us. We give you thanks and praise for who you are and for all your goodness. In the precious name of Jesus, amen and amen. Have a great Mother's Day. We'll see you next week.